awesome way that only the church can. There should be something special about when we gather, a special presence of God. But that doesn't always happen. Or if it does, we're not aware of it. And too often we're more horizontal in our churches than we are vertical. Uh, in fact, you can kind of classify churches in different areas. There's uh, a tradition church, there's ritual church, there's felt need church, emotional hype church, rules church, Bible boredom church, relevant church, hip church, social conscience church, and many, many others. And they all have one thing in common, is that they're all horizontal substitutes for God. And what I want to ask this summer is, are we a God church? Well, of course we're a God church. Well, is God our focus? I am going through, I'll just be honest, a vertical orientation in my personal life right now, and it is, it is exciting. I have been challenged to focus more on God and, and to live more vertically and not so horizontally, to focus on His greatness, His bigness, His goodness, His presence, His grace, His world. I am being reminded that all of our issues are God issues at heart. We need Him in every facet. When I see a marriage that is struggling, I think to myself, they need God more than anything else. When I see someone's finances are in a mess, the first thing they need is God more than anything else. If someone's life is wonderful and everything is going great, I really think they really need God, maybe even more so. I see a kid on the ball field, and I, man, that kid needs God. I see someone who's got anger issues. I see someone who's lost a loved one. They need a lot of comfort and hope. I know that. Yeah, but more than anything, they need God. I see a young adult playing a video game. They need God. Next week is Father's Day. What do dads need? They need to experience the fullness and the richness of God. And their families need a man who is filled with God. When I'm down and I'm struggling, I've just found the best thing I can do is just get away and experience the glories of God for a while. And when I stop and think of how big He is, it just helps get a little bit better perspective on my problems. He is bigger than all these horizontal issues, a lot bigger. So the rest of this summer, I want us to focus on living vertically, a vertical orientation. And there's two aspects to it that we're going to focus on, prayer and worship. And we're going to spend a few weeks on prayer you know, communicating with this amazing God, and then we're going to spend a few weeks on worship and glorifying this amazing God, and then the summer will be over, believe it or not. So I'm going to ask you two things during the first half of this series on prayer. Number one, you want to pray every day that we be a vertical church. I want you to pray that God's glory is going to fill this place and fill each one of us. I walk into this building just about every week now, and I'll pray sometime, sometime during the week, God Fill this place with your glory. Let us experience and taste that you are good. And second, I want you to pray every day that you will be a vertical person and God's glory will fill you. And you will find as God is filling you, you're going to find that Sunday mornings are different. And it's going to, you're going to be more sensitive to His presence. I want you to pray uh, that God will fellowship with you, that you will walk and talk with Him. You know, we were created for God. I just want you to pray that you will experience God in your personal life this summer. Acts 4.31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. I believe God wants to do that to this church. I think He wants to shake us. Now, what was going on when they were shaken and filled with the Holy Spirit? It says, after they prayed, really praying and really encountering the God who responds to us in prayer. 
There's an old story of a small town in Kentucky, and I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of preachers have told this story, so it must be true. <clears throat> anyway, this story, this, and some of you heard this too, this town had two churches and one whiskey distillery. And members of both churches complained that the distillery was giving the community a bad image, and to make matters worse, the owner of the distillery was an outspoken atheist. And the church people had tried unsuccessfully to shut that thing down. And so finally they held a joint Saturday night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene and settle the matter once and for all. And the church folks from both these churches gathered to pray and they prayed and they prayed all through the night. They prayed, God, do something about that distillery. And as they prayed, a terrible electrical storm came up. And to the delight of these church members, a lightning bolt hit the distillery and burned it to the ground. The next morning, the sermon in both churches was on the power of prayer. The distillery owner sued both churches, claiming they had conspired with God to destroy his business. The church's defense, they denied they had anything to do with the cause of that fire. The judge who presided over the case opened the trial with these words. He said, I find one thing in this case most perplexing. We have a situation where the plaintiff, who is an atheist is professing his belief in the power of prayer. And the descendants, who are faithful, God-believing church members, denying the power of prayer. I believe many of us, most here, believe in the power of prayer and at the same time don't believe in the power of prayer. It's like the man who came to Jesus said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. We pray because we believe it, And then we don't think it'll really do much good. Or we're surprised that something does happen. We pray for someone's healing, and then they're healing. Whoa, whoa, where'd that come from? I know some of you have been disappointed in prayer and in God. So have I. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. The goal this summer, live vertically toward God in prayer and then in worship. Now, James 5 is our text today. It's one of the more fascinating uh, perplexing passages in the Bible. It talks about anointing of oil and healing and confessing our sins to one another. You know, if all three of those happened this morning, we'd have chaos. might be good chaos, but it would be chaos. So we can't be certain of every detail in this text, but the main topic is very clear. The word prayer and pray appears seven times in six verses. Let's read this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. If any is among you sick... Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I've seen that happen, by the way. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I think the key there is the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James says it can heal people. The Lord will lift them up. Elijah's prayer stopped rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed, and it started again. When people pray, things happen. God responds. James himself practiced what he preached. Tradition says his nickname was Old Camel's Knees because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer. The word effective in verse 16 carries the idea of energy. 
It, it carries the idea of an ingredient being added to something average to make it into something powerful. Prayer can take the average Christian life and the average Christian church and make it into an effective powerful Christian life and church. James gives us some direction in how that can help and how we can energize our prayer lives. And so that's what I want to focus on today. And what I'm assuming us today is most of us could help use some help in prayer. I know I do. Because the enemy is doing all he can to stop you from praying. The enemy will let you do everything else. The enemy is making you too busy. He's getting you too distracted. He wants you to live these horizontal lives. He wants you to have the attitude, I really don't need God. I don't need to pray. I don't need to go vertical. My life is just fine. And see, God knows that about Satan, and, and he knows that Satan is after you, so he gives us some help, uh, like the Bible would be one help, for instance, and it's one of the main helps. As you read the Bible, I don't know how you can not pray. So that's a help. But I want to focus on what help James gives us today in this text. Here's the first help. He says, pray. Just do it. Is anyone in trouble? Pray. Anyone happy? Sing, which is another form of prayer. Just listen to Christian music. Is anyone sing? Ask the elders to pray. Turn to God. Fill yourself with God. The number one hindrance to answered prayer is prayerlessness. We just don't do it. James says you do not have because you do not ask. In almost any endeavor, if you want to get better at something, you need to practice and just do it. If you want to be a better prayer, then pray. Now, there's several reasons we don't pray, and I wish I had these on the screen, but I don't. But I'm going to give you four reasons we don't. And the most common one, I think, is we don't think it will do much good. We don't believe what James says here. It's a waste of time. Well, I prayed once and it didn't do any good, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Second reason, we're too busy, got other things to do. I have more important things to do than to talk to the creator of the universe, the one who holds everything in his hand and has the power to change anything. I've got more important things to do than to talk to him. Another one is we really don't think we need God's help. I'm fine, thank you. And it's usually when you go through a crisis that your prayer life improves. When we're in trouble, and maybe that's one reason God allows crisis in our lives, to get our attention. Hey, you need me. And then a fourth reason... We really don't know who this God is. We have an inaccurate or a way too small view of God. You ever stop and think about Him? Sometimes they think, just just stop, just be quiet. Prayer needs to include meditation on just who this God is. Next year, I think I'm going to do a whole series on God and who He is. But for now, I want to talk about encountering Him. And James reminds us in good times... In bad times, if you're sick, if things are going well, either you pray. It is effective and it'll make a difference. See, I have to remind myself, when I work, I work. And when I pray, God works. And I'm a lot more effective when God is working. There is so much I cannot do. So much that is out of my control. Same with you. Moms and dads, there is so much about parenting, you know, that is just beyond your control. You cannot do a, a lot of... A lot of things for your kids. They're just thinking, you know, like the culture, you can't change that. You can't change the economy. You can't change this teacher, you know, whatever. None of us can change people's hearts and minds. We have very little power what's going to happen tomorrow. Very little power what's going to happen even five minutes from now. We have so little control over the economy, over the weather. But the prayer of a righteous human is effective and powerful. So just do it. Second help, church leadership. Is anyone sick? Call the elders. Why the elders? 
Well, whether they want to or not, they represent the church and in a sense represent the presence of God. And we're, later on, we're going to have a little prayer time and we're going to have the elders down here with the prayer counselors. You can come and pray with them during the communion time. When the church leaders show up to pray for someone, it is a boost to that person's faith. And the church leadership should lead the way in prayer, and they do here. I'm so proud of our elders. There's a mantra found in many churches say, we need more elders, and we need more leaders, and we need more, you know, that kind of stuff. And I believe that's true, but more important than quantity, more important than more elders and more leaders is we need better leaders, the quality. You need a better preacher. Amen? I totally agree. I totally agree. Get that person who said that. Anyway, but you need a better preacher. I didn't say a different one. You need a better one. Someone who's growing in prayer, growing in his vertical orientation, boldly living for him, living a vertical orientation instead of so much horizontal. You need a better preacher. And you need better elders. If the leadership is not growing, the church will not. Now, this anointing of oil stuff, call the elders and anoint with oil, what's that about? Two possibilities. Anointing with oil can either be medicinal or symbolic. Uh, it was a form of medicine, so it could be that James is saying, you need to take your medicine, see the doctor, and then ask the elders to pray. Makes sense. Or the oil is symbolic, it's a sign of God's mercy on that person. Like Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil. Your grace is upon me. It's a sign of God's presence. And you can take either side. I think both interpretations have merit. And we should do both. See the doctor, take your medicine, and ask the elders to pray. Since I've been here, several of you have asked the elders uh, that they would come and do that and anoint you with oil. And they did, and I have seen healing because of that. Which leads to a third help in prayer, physical aids, like anointing oil. There's some other aids uh, in the Bible, like incense and candles. For me, the number one physical aid might be nature. When I see the trees and I'm out in nature and smelling the air and feeling the breeze, and I look at a little blade of grass, and I just realize God is aware and knows that little blade of grass. He created that, and He's aware of that in, in the midst of this unfathomable, expansive universe that He created. And I just stop and think about who this God is that made this world night. It helps me live vertically. It helps my faith. Another physical aid would be kneeling. When you kneel, it helps you physically realize your lowly dependent position before God. Raising hands is a visual aid to show we're pleading with Him and our desire for Him and our acceptance for Him. When someone else raises their hands in worship, it actually encourages my worship. It's a visual aid to me. God gave us the Lord's Supper. He gave us baptism. Uh, we have a cross up front when we don't have caves up front. Uh, we have spires on top of the building to point us to God. You, you can use it. We're, we're sensual people. We have senses. We can use them to get in touch with this God. Verse 15, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. I prayed for my wife that had cancer. Lord didn't raise her up in this life. Some of you say, I prayed for my child, the Lord didn't raise him up. Elders prayed for my husband, he's not getting any better. Kind of like the announcement in the church bulletin, due to the preacher's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. There's a disconnect going on here. Do you know how James died, by the way? His head was cut off. 
Did God answer his prayer? So what do you mean here, James? He will be healed. He will be raised up. And I think, I think we can say for sure, since it's Scripture, it's from God, you will be healed. Healing will come. And it might be in this life, or it might be raised up in the next life in the resurrection. The text is not clear about when. I think James is intentionally ambiguous. Some are healed now. Some healing comes in the last day. There will be healing, though. The sick person will be raised up. It's just a matter of when. Now, when you hear that, I'm a little afraid you might say, well, then it doesn't matter if I pray. It won't make any difference. God's going to do what God's going to do. No, people are healed, and things do change when God's people ask. And sometimes God responds to prayer in invisible ways that we don't even see, but He is responding. Trust me. Trust Him. Verse 15, if He has sinned, He will be forgiven. James leaves open the possibility that some sickness is connected to our behavior and lifestyle. In, ancient, in the ancient mind, sin and sickness went hand in hand. In our society, we've, we've, we've separated and gone way too far and fragmented, you know, so that anything that happens to me is never my fault. We separated body, mind, and spirit. So if you have a physical problem, you go to the doctor. You have an emotional problem, you go to the counselor. You have a spiritual problem, you go to the preacher. And it's just not that simple. We are complete beings, body, mind, spirit, relational, all parts of one entity and each affects the other. And if you are sick spiritually, it will affect you physically, emotionally, and relational in every other way. No one is really healthy without God's forgiveness and without dealing with the sin. Which leads to the fourth help in prayer, and that is confession of that sin. Confess your sins to one another. Many have just not dealt with the sin in their lives, and it continues, and then you'll wonder why God doesn't hear your prayer, you'll wonder why you're struggling. You know, we like sin, we enjoy it, and then we wonder why, why we have these troubles. It is human nature to not confess. It is human nature to keep secret our dirty underwear. We don't want people to see what we're really like, even if it's hurting us. I've heard a phrase years ago from a preacher, and it's, it's always stuck with me, we're as sick as our secrets. If you have a problem with I don't know, internet, lust, pleasure, money, gossip, alcohol, work, apathy, whatever. You will not overcome it without confessing to God and to another human being. When I am forced to honestly look at my life and, and I'm going to tell another human being what I've done this past week, it always opens the door for growth. Confession is a big help. If you're a young couple, get an older couple to mentor you. Share with them your lives. If you're a young single man or single woman, you need an older man or woman to mentor you. If you're an older person, you need someone you can confide in as well. Confess to one another. Which leads to another help, praying with other prayers. Confess your sins and pray for each other. And a lot of us pray for each other, but we underestimate, I think, the power of actually getting together to pray for each other, praying with each other. In Acts, we often find the, the church was praying together and the place was shaken and they were filled with God and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Other prayers will help our prayer lives. Uh, you know, the elders, when we get together, we just always pray together. There's always an encouragement to my prayer life. Staff, we will pray for your prayer request. It's just good to pray together, even if it feels awkward. If we don't pray together... We probably aren't playing as, praying as much or as well as we need to. We need each other. Another help is a righteous life, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person is effective. It doesn't mean you're perfect. But what James means is the more you're walking 
with God, the more potent your prayer life will be. Prayer is a relationship and abiding with Him. There's an old saying that says, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. And that's true, but you don't move the hand that moves the world unless you're holding that hand. Abiding with Him. Living with Him and for Him. And then this last one is intensity. Elijah prayed earnestly. The literal wording there is in prayer he prayed. Many times we don't pray when we pray. We just say prayers. Like before the meal, Homer Simpson, spiritual giant of our generation, good drink, good meat, good God, let's eat. Here's one for me, for older people. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my shape to keep. Please no wrinkles, please no bags, and please lift my backside before it sags. Please no age spots, please no gray, and ask for my belly, please take it away. Please keep me healthy, please keep me young, and thank you, dear Lord, for all you've done. Amen. Not much urgency or intensity there. That's not really praying. Hebrews 11.6 says, He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly. Get the adjective. You don't have to be a super giant to earnestly seek the Lord. In fact, James wants us to know Elijah is a human just like us, even as we are. He wasn't perfect. He had the same limitations we do, and yet the rain stopped for three and a half years when he prayed because he was earnest. There is power in the earnest, intense prayer of a righteous person. Now, I can guarantee you Satan is going to do everything he can to stop you from praying. He's going to do everything to fill your life with distractions and to make you so horizontal in your orientation. He doesn't fear you. Satan's not afraid of you a bit. He is afraid of God. He is afraid of God getting into you, and then he'll be afraid of you. He knows if we get in touch with God, he's done. Do we fathom who this God is? We hear so much about getting prayer back into schools. I think God's probably more concerned about getting prayer back into the church. When Elle and I were dating, we adopted a verse that reflected our lives to that point and what God had done. It's kind of a theme verse for our marriage. God is able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine a lot, but God can do measurably more. Let's be a vertical church. And you be a vertical believer. Let's pray. God, I am praying that you will fill us. It is amazing that you would even hear us and be here today. It is even more amazing that you would respond to our prayers. But maybe the most amazing thing is that we don't pray, at least not more, because we have you, the creator of this amazing universe, ready to respond, wanting to respond, and Lord, I pray you press the reset button on us, and forgive us for our lack of prayer. Thank you for these helps. Thank you for other helps like the Bible and the Spirit that lives and breathes in us. And Lord, we're praying that this summer will be a vertical summer. And they will catch a glimpse of who you are. Shake us. Fill us. May we see your 
glory and experience it. Through Jesus' name.